Chapter One of From Alien to Citizen The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter One Prophecy and Fulfillment. It seems so long ago that I might almost say once upon a time an Italian came to our town with a grind organ, a monkey, and a parrot the grind organ and the monkey performed for rich and poor alike but only the lucky owner of a certain number of kreutzers could arouse the parrot which with eyes shut sat upon his perch while the organ played and the monkey performed no doubt the parrot was trying to forget this wretched company and was dreaming of the far-off paradise which once was his now kreutzers the small coin of our realm were rather rare in the pockets of little boys inasmuch as the parrot was announced to be a celebrated fortune-teller i wanted to prove him so i teased my dear mother just long enough to get the coveted number of coins with an air of great importance i pushed through the crowd which encircled the italian and the eyes of the multitude were upon me at least i thought they were although in reality they were fixed on the parrot for there had been long dispute as to whether he was alive or not his master took my money and struck the perch upon which the bird sat immovable with eyes shut quizzically it cocked its head looked at the promised reward in the hand of its trainer then majestically descended drew an envelope out of a row which no doubt held the fate of all youths of my age and dropped it upon the little table thus my fortune was told and my fate sealed the crowd urged me to open it, but I ran home as fast as I could, reading as I ran. Even before the house was reached, I cried out breathlessly, Mother, I'm going to America, and I'm going to marry a rich wife. I told you, said the dear mother, with a smile which concealed a tear, you would waste your money. You will stay at home with your widowed mother and be her solace in her old age. Then she took me out into the garden under the big pear tree and showed me the boundaries of our small estate, the poppy field, the cabbage patch, the prune trees, all the land from the pottock, the creek, to the edge of the dusty highway. This, she said, will be yours, my son, and you will get a good, pious wife right here rather than to go among the Indians and marry a wild woman in spite of the allurements offered my imagination was fired by the parrot's prophecy and that evening i sought out my teacher and asked him how to go to america it is so far my boy he said that you will never reach there it is one day by the omnibus four days and nights by the railroad and then across the yam the great sea for fourteen days a ship he continued does not go like the omnibus but like a nutshell on the pottock and you may at any moment be spilled over and eaten by the fish then he took me by my shock of curly hair and shook me saying the fish in the great yam are especially fond of curly-headed boys so you run home and learn your multiplication table and don't forget that seven times nine are sixty-three seven times nine was my stumbling block i went home not to study the multiplication table but to dream about the parrot and america and the rich young lady waiting for me beyond the great yam i was fully determined to go there even at the risk of being spilled and eaten by the fish 
before i was seven years of age i saw a man who had been across that dreadful water he came crawling out of the omnibus only three-quarters of a man returning from the land where after fighting in many a battle he had left an arm and a leg to mingle with the dust of that far-off country he brought with him a thirst for liquor some strange oaths and love and veneration for a man whom he called father abraham he left me that man's picture when he died, and it strengthened my desire to go to the land where a man whose name was Abraham could span the gulf between a log cabin and the White House. One day, when the rabbi was expounding doctrine, I gathered the boys in the synagogue yard and tried to incite them to a conspiracy against the cruel government which exacted heavy taxes from the peasants. I wanted to do what Father Abraham had done, emancipate the poor wretches. The watchful beetle, however, came tiptoeing behind the truant lads, saved the Austro-Hungarian government from overthrow, and gave me such a whack over my left ear that it still stings from pain and pleasure as I recall the incident. I was led ignominiously back into the synagogue, just in time to hear the rabbi turn an intellectual somersault upon the dot of a letter which seemed to him of tremendous importance. Again the parrot's prophecy seemed to be nearing fulfillment when a whole family came back to our town, having crossed the big yam without being spilled and eaten by the fish. I fell desperately in love with the daughter, three years my senior. The father's health had in some way suffered from his police record in an Illinois city, and he and his family were going back, recuperated, when the tide of politics turned in his favor. When they left for America, I clung to the omnibus which carried them away, my love making me fearless of ocean and fish, but I was sent back shortly after the omnibus had passed the toll gate. Of course, I was heartbroken, and my tears were very hot. My older brother soothed my pain by applying his hand in punishment. I ran away once more, that time with a half-witted boy, and had gone as far as the railroad when the same brother overtook me and brought me home, repentant, half-starved, and homesick, for I had been thrown into jail with gypsies, thieves, and vagabonds. So far my efforts to assist in bringing to pass the parrot's prophecy were of no avail, but long, long after this, my boyhood outgrown, a part of it was to be fulfilled." One day, when I was at home during the Pentecostal vacation, after a severe examination period, a copyist from the judge's office came to my mother and told her that for a certain sum he would reveal to her an official secret, which would save me from falling into the hands of the vengeful government. Lest my readers think that I had been guilty of something very base, I shall here reveal the secret which he was ready to sell." In the part of the world where I lived, there were, as everywhere, the rulers and the ruled, the oppressors and the oppressed, viz., the Magyars and the Slovaks. The Slovaks are a branch of the Czechoslovak group of the Slav family, and live in the crescent-shaped Carpathians. Toward the east they merge into the Polish, and toward the north into the Czechish groups. They have never been strong enough to gain national independence, although once there was a Slovak kingdom, and they cherish the memory of a great king whose name was Svatopluk. The warlike Huns easily subjugated these agricultural Slavs, and they remained an unawakened, half-stupid, servile race. For that very reason I made their cause my own. My natural feeling for the oppressed was intensified by the fact that, in spite of their many faults, they were a lovable people. 
i grew up among them playing my first games with slovak boys they taught me the mysteries of fashioning willow twigs into whistles and how to wind korbatsky whips that were used during easter week to commemorate the scourging of the lord i spent many glorious hours in their dirty isbas listening to folk tales and i knew their language before i knew any other perhaps the fact that i had a slovak nurse and that i was vaccinated with virus taken from the arm of a slovak boy whom i called my brother by vaccination made me feel kin to these gentiles i also had various boyhood love affairs among the slovak girls and was especially devoted to the miller's daughter whose pathetic death impressed me very much and made me feel my oneness with those people in their suffering my first holy office in any church was performed when i helped the slovak boys ring the church bells from their respective bell towers i heard the solemn lutheran songs and saw the holy mass performed by roman catholic priests i also saw these slovaks flogged in the courtyard clapped into prison for slight offences and their wives and daughters insulted by magyar officials i sensed their wrongs in my childhood and felt them keenly as i grew into manhood especially after i came in touch with the revolutionary literature of that period i think that most boys pass through some such heroic stage where the thought of martyrdom seems like wine in their blood i was at that age and committed many a senseless indiscretion i am fairly sure i was liable to a reprimand or a slight punishment and that the shrewd copyist played on the fears of a jewish mother who loved her boy and feared the law before i knew it i was on my way to america the copyist promising to hold the secret till i should be safe across the border this is as near as i ever came to becoming a political offender and no doubt the hungarian government has forgotten the episode within three days of my leaving home i was on the big yam the ship did act like a nutshell on the pottock and the law of gravitation seemed to have ceased functioning so far as my digestive organs were concerned i wished many a time that i had left the parrot dreaming on his perch instead of waking him to prophesy for me so awful a fate End of chapter one